On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hate have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Welcome to Monday's Experts. It's 11.11 on this 30th of October. If you're listening on the Sky Sports Radio Network, hello to you again. Or if you're listening via podcast, and I know this segment is very popular by podcast, hello and welcome. Our guest this week, or my guest this week, is a, a jockey. And this jockey has been appearing in our form guides in New South Wales for a little while. We've been seeing him get a couple of wins. He rode uh, very well the other day at Kembla Grange and Gosford, and he's been getting the good winners and place getters here and there, doing a lot of riding for the Gerald Ryan and Sterling Alexo stable and also getting other rides elsewhere. His name is Brandon Lorena, and he's got a fantastic story, and I'm looking forward to seeing him get more success here in Australia. He joins me now on the phone. Good morning, Brandon. Morning, Dave. Thank you very much for having me on your show, and thanks for talking me up like that. Really appreciate it. No dramas whatsoever. You've got a, a really interesting story, mate, and I want to talk about your career because it started in South Africa. Uh, where were you born? What part of South Africa? Uh, Dave, I was born in Johannesburg. Um, was raised in Johannesburg for, for a long time and then uh, made my transition down to Durban to where the Jockey Academy is and uh, done most of my, my adult life there. Tell us about how, and I've spoken before with Glenn Schofield about this, but for our listeners that uh, maybe have missed that conversation, in South Africa they have that uh, Jockey's Academy. So, one, how do you get into the Jockey's Academy? Do you have to pass a particular test? Uh, and then whilst you're at that academy, what are you learning? What are you doing? Um, Dave, it's, um, it's quite tricky to get into the academy. They've got quite a um, strict, like, there's quite a... Um, find the right word yeah there's quite a like a protocol or a criteria yeah there's, there's quite a big criteria for for young people to enter the jockey academy start before your 10th year of school so you you your remaining years of of um, high school there as well so you've got to be the right size the right they measure your knee they look into your your upbringing etc and i think mainly the weight's uh, the main thing for them and once you're the right weight and the right size, uh, you start from scratch, really. They really start the guys off. A lot of the guys that started with me had no um, experience with horses at all, and um, some of them are riding at the top of their game and even Hong Kong. That transition then from that academy into senior race riding in South Africa, how long does that take? It's a, it's a five-year apprenticeship. Um, you only get 50 winners as a, as a claiming apprentice. So... If you do really well early on, it's it's really it becomes tough. You like, for instance, me. I I, I finished my claim very early and was competing against a very mature and well-established jocks at a very young age. So I think um, it builds a lot of character if you do well and if you struggle, you you know you you're still going to be competing early days with without a claim with all the top jocks. What did you learn at the academy? What were some of the things that you learned straight away? Uh, straight away was discipline. Obviously, um, they weighed us. They weighed us twice, and sometimes three times a week, and they'd have a have an odd time where they would just weigh us randomly. So there was no there was no chance of us, you know, hiding sweets in our in our dormitories or or going or going to lunch with our folks for a little bit of a splurge. So you always had to be disciplined. And I mean, just the basic disciplines of you know just keeping your room tidy and your cupboards having inspections all the time. Um, 
being a kid boy, we were kid boys um, growing up to the senior apprentices in the Jockey Academy and obviously the jockeys in the jockey room because we also, even if we weren't race riding, we'd tag along to the races and, and valet the jockeys and help them with their gear and that's a, um, yeah, I think discipline is definitely the number one thing that I took out of the academy. It's quite famous, the uh, Lorena name. Uh, obviously, uh, you're related to Kevin Lorena. I think he's, uh, I read last night, he's a, a boxing champion. That was a few years ago. Um, obviously, uh, you're related to Gavin Lorena. Um, you've got uh, their, their cousins. Uh, and obviously, uh, Anton, who uh, was uh, a famous Lorena family. So, I know. I know that obviously you're in, you're racing your own right and went to that academy in your own right. But did you feel some pressure having that that surname in the racing game in South Africa? Um, no, Dave. To be honest, um, I think my family was trying very hard to keep me away from the game. I was I was I was quite the the outdoors type and um, pretty good at most sports. And, and they tried to obviously sway me into another direction. But I was very lucky to have um, my uncle Anton. We referred to and my uncle Gilbert back then who, you know, were were happy with with which way I was gonna go, which career path I was gonna take and they were very big um inspirations to me and they supported what I wanted to do. Barring the rest of the family, including my mother, they didn't really want me to be a jockey, knowing how tough it is. My uncle Uncle Tex was a jockey himself as well as my uncle Spark and they both struggled with their weight and and it's obviously not the not the safest sport. There's a lot of um Accidents that could happen, but um, yeah, I'm just glad that uh, there were those two gentlemen in my life that helped me push on with my career. We're chatting this morning with Brandon Lorena. Brandon, tell us about the move to Australia and how that happened. And um, Dave, my wife and I, we um, we just we just decided. I mean, every Sunday night we have uh, the equivalent of six, sixty minutes uh, in South Africa, which is called Carte Blanche, and they just highlight what's not going good in the country. Obviously, the crime rate. Um, is ridiculously high, and um, we've got four beautiful young children that we really want to give, you know, the best chance at, at making a good life for themselves. And uh, we just didn't want them to to be looking looking behind their back all the time and worried about the safety of living in your own home, etc. So we we really thought we had to do it for our children, and it was big sacrifice. We were pretty well established in South Africa. Um, we had our home and. We had made it a wonderful space to to raise our children, but we decided that we had to we had to get out of South Africa, and Australia became available, and uh, we we jumped at the opportunity. It wasn't uh, as easy though as just getting on the plane because obviously COVID was involved. There was a situation where you you spent uh, some time, uh, you know, at Warwick Farm in lockdown, um, and then also too with visas. Uh, that wasn't simple, was it? No, it wasn't. And as you referred to, I mean, the COVID, the lockdown, the bushfires, the, um, the floods, you know, we, we saw it all in our first first four years here in Australia. But um, now the visa was very tricky. Obviously, um, the criteria for a jockey to make direct entry into into Australia is very difficult. I mean, there's a high standard of, of jockeys that are riding at present and back then. And uh, it was difficult for us to get direct entry, so we um, had to seek other ways to get you. And um, you know, luckily, we there was that opportunity that that visa was available, and um, the rest is history. So, with that visa, does that mean now, after you, you you can be riding for whoever, wherever in New South Wales? Correct, Dave. Yeah, that's it. Um, we've done our four years uh, on a sponsorship visa with with Bjorn, and um, yeah, there was. 
we were obviously restricted back then, but now we are permanent residents of Australia, thankfully, and um, we're available to ride for whoever and wherever, which Fantastic. is really exciting. Yeah. Well, hang on. Were you cheering on Sunday morning, though, Brandon? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah Dave, um, we're up early. My wife was preparing a traditional South African traditional South African meal for breakfast what, and what uh, we did had you, our biltong. What, oh, you had the biltong? Fantastic. Yeah. We had the biltong. Um, we had a nice fruit breakfast with some burevos and... Uh, Lovely. And chakalaka. So, yeah, no, we were already... And the kids were very invested in the game, so we're very proud of the box and uh, they really made that's a point in, of winning the World Cup. Yeah. That's sensational. I grew up beside uh, a lovely South African family when I lived in Brisbane. And, uh, yeah, I remember going over and watching... Late night matches, but this was when Super Rugby was flying, and I'd be cheering yeah. for the Reds, and they'd be cheering for the Bulls, and you'd have the pup and uh, the bunny chow, <laughs> the bunny chow. I got yeah, in- good old bunny chow. I got introduced to everything, everything. It was uh, <laughs> fantastic. We're chatting with this morning with Brian Lorena. Okay, the difference in riding in South Africa against some unbelievable jocks, and we've seen. And I had this conversation. Uh, conversation with Glenn Schofield, I think that South African jockeys, and I don't know whether it's just because of the academy, but you look around the world in all different jurisdictions and they are, you know, they they seem to be able to go and adapt to all situations. Um, We've seen it here in Australia with some of your countrymen that have been here and had success. What have you found the fundamental differences between, say, riding in South Africa and riding here in Australia? Um, I think Australian racing is a lot more tighter, a lot more competitive in, in different segments of the race where South Africa is a little bit more looser and we've got longer run-ins as well so guys tend to to be a lot more patient or have the have the chance to be a lot more patient. Um, I think how South Africans have been able to adapt is the fact that a lot of our top guys have gone overseas and they've come back and they've sort of you know taught the rest of the, the South African jockey room that kind of way so we've been able to follow influence from successful guys overseas. Do you feel as though your riding style, and talk me through the South African riding style, because I've seen it uh, with yourself. Uh, we see Keegan Latham, obviously. Uh, I mean, everyone's got their own style, but it does seem like um, your riding style, the South African style, is different to when I'm watching a, an Australian or a New Zealander ride. it's uh, There's a little bit more flamboyancy with the whip action. Is that just something that you're taught from a young age or something that you've picked up? Or is it, uh, yeah, can you explain that more for me? Uh, Dave, I think it's, I think it's, I don't know, South Africans have always had that, you know, that motion of showing past the eye and and, and coming around the shoulder when, when giving a crap to a horse and, and in Australia the, the windmill was very popular back in the day so I mean that's lent to the style here um, I think all of all of the all of my year as apprentices we all sort of marked our style on people like Waishong Ma Wing and um, Douglas Watt Pierre Stratum and those type of guys that were very very easy going with their, with their whips and, and didn't really get into consecutive stride um, style, so yeah, I think that's that's where we get that from. Brandon, what about so uh, have saddle will travel? That's obviously your mantra at the moment. Uh, we see you riding a couple of very nice horses for Gerald and Sterling in the last couple of days. I really liked that horse you rode at Kembler called Written Silk. Uh, he must have given you um, a really nice feel. This written by Gilding. Yeah, 
Yeah, he really does. He gave me a lovely field, Dave. Um, he's he's just a very casual horse back back to track work in the mornings, and the way he improved from run to run was was very impressive for me. I mean, he found himself maybe a little bit too close to the pace during the run of the race, and and I was trying to keep him in that position, which would probably do him more harm than good. And he still managed to quicken into a strong headwind, albeit greenly. And I think he's got so much more improvement to come out of the race and. I look forward to, to seeing where he goes in his career. He's a really nice horse. And tell us about your weight. So what, what can you ride at? Um, what is your optimum riding weight? Dave, I've, I've, I've always struggled with my weight. In South Africa, my weight was a lot worse than, than what it is now. Obviously, I've, I've learned a lot of new things along the way during my career and, and what my body really can handle and can't handle. I'm, I can ride 56. My weight's really, really good at the moment going into summer. I really struggle in winter. Um, it's 56 at the moment, and I'm really working hard to get it down lower because I think I think the weights in the middle category, if, um, there's a little bit of an opportunity for for a rider of myself, my caliber, to, to be competitive there. Yeah, so you ride today at 56 and a half. You've got a ride there at um, at Newcastle and the Beaumont. So uh, no doubt you're doing a lot of track work as well. You seem to be getting a lot of rides for Gerald, Ryan and Sterling. Yeah, no, Gerald and, and Sterling have been really great to me. I mean, I, I just started as um, just riding track work for them and they gave me gave me an opportunity to, to have a little bit of income there. I actually lost my driver's license at couple of weeks ago so it's been quite difficult getting to the races and such so they've really been keeping me going and they've given me so many opportunities and uh in the past couple of weeks and and quality rides also which has made the real difference so i'm really grateful to to be associated with them they're a great team and i'm um, really enjoying working with them and how's the the kids going mate they're in school obviously here now and enjoying life yeah yeah it's, it took a long time for them to to make friends and adapt and but I'm really happy with um, the way they're going at the moment. They're really happy in their school and, and they made a lot of friends and they're really enjoying the sport in Australia. So that's really great. And uh, they happen to be coming to, to races with me today. So that they're, they're very happy Fantastic. to miss school and watch dad. So, uh, yeah, no, really happy. I think my kids have just started settling really well. So my wife and I, we really chuffed about that. Where, where have you based yourself in Sydney? Uh, we, Dave, we live in Parramatta, so we're pretty Perfect. close to Rosie also. It's been lovely um, with, with work just on the road, yeah. That's great. Uh, Brandon, what about um, racing back home? Um, it's a place that I've always wanted to get to, South Africa, because, as, as I mentioned before, I grew up beside uh, South African family, uh, experienced some of their culture. I've always been a racing fan, so I've wanted to always get over to a, a Durban, um, you know, and, and a... July and, and just, just to see and experience it. But then again, obviously, there are some issues in the country at the moment, which we highlighted before with crime and with with uh, obviously the economy. Um, are you fearful for South African racing in the future, what it may be and look like? Oh, absolutely, Dave. I think, um, unfortunately, COVID really hit South Africa, South African racing really hard where they weren't able to continue as, as did we here in Australia. So they had a close close shop for a good four months and and as you know in um with that, you know, economic climate and stopping at the same time they still had to feed those horses and keep them keep them going for those four to five months and then try and get them going in. So they've 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 really struggled um the past three years and it looks like it's picking up but it's very hard to know the future with South Africa. I mean 
the elections are coming up next year, so you just got to hope that um, some stability brought back into play and uh, racing will probably have more clearer direction then. Exactly right. What's the biggest race you've ever won? Uh, the biggest race I won is a Group 1 at Turfentine, the President's Champion Challenge, a weight for age, uh, 2,000-metre race. And would would that involve the best horse you've ridden, in your opinion? What's the best horse you've ridden? Uh, no, the best horse I rode was in my apprenticeship, a horse called War Artist, um, funny enough, bred here in Australia by Orpen, out of a real solitaire, a very good mare. Um, yeah, he was the best horse I rode as, a, as an apprentice. I was very lucky to win a group one as an apprentice on him, and... Uh, yeah, he's definitely the best horse I've ridden. Yeah, okay. And and the best trainer you've uh, ridden for in South Africa, I mean, there's obviously some very talented horsemen there. Yeah, very, very talented trainers in, in South Africa. I think that probably the best trainer I've worked for in South Africa is a pretty underrated trainer, but he goes by the name of Tony Riverland. He, he's a man who tries to wear many hats. Um, they call him Mr. Racing back at home. He, he tries to run the tracks in the morning, train his own horses, but I believe he's the best trainer I've worked for. I've worked for Charlie Laird. Um, I was apprentice to him for a good year. Herman Brown, I was apprentice or stable jockey to him with him for two years. And uh, Sean Terry gave me a good chance. I actually won on uh, Regal Ransom for Sean Terry in the President's Champion Challenge at 17. So, yeah, I've worked with some really good horsemen in my time in South Africa. Correct me if I'm wrong, but War Artist, did it go to Royal Ascot? He did. He... Um, that's that's where I lost the ride on him. He got sold off. He won um, he won the Group on Mercury Sprint at back in Clearwood, and he got sold for for a good a good fee to to an American owner who took him over to Europe. Where right. He competed in the Peter Peter Le Bay. Uh, he, he won a Group One in Germany. Uh, he, he ran second to JJ the Jet Plane at uh, Maidan, and uh, yeah, he ran in the in the same race at uh, Nature Strip one for for Chris Waller. Yeah, the King Stand. The King stand. Uh, Brandon, what about uh, something on the, the bucket list or, or the goals? I mean, you, you no doubt would have sat down with your manager. Uh, you've spoken about your weight. You're in a good space. You're getting some opportunities from uh, Gerald and Sterling, but you're also no doubt would be looking to get other opportunities from other trainers. And look, there'd be a lot of people listening to this now, not only uh, who are owners and connections, but there'd be some trainers no doubt listening to this right now, whether they be on their way to the races or not. What do you want to achieve this season? Um, Dave, this season, I think uh, Shane and I have just discussed to build, build on relationships and um, build some continuity with relationships and just try and get, you know, lend a hand and get support both ways and just build like, just build good relationships where we both support each other and, uh, you know, have a little bit of faith in me and give me the opportunity and hopefully we can work, work towards something and better it next season. What's the one race you'd love to win? Um, in Australia, obviously, the Melbourne Cup would be the the number one. Yes. Um, after watching the the Cox Plate this weekend, also would love to win a race like that. It looked like it looks like a tremendous atmosphere out there, and um, really quality horses at the weight scale. So those those kind of races where the best horse has to win or has every chance to win, those kind of races are for me. There you want to be. Uh, my final question before I wrap it up, and I ask everyone this. What would uh, you say to an 18-year-old Brandon Lorena if he was standing in front of you right now? What advice would you give him? Uh, <laughs> that's a really tough one, Dave. Um, I think just just keep 
keep focused on improving every day. Little things count. Um, and, and concentrate on one thing at, at a time and just try and improve day in and day out and keep focused on your goals. I appreciate you coming on, mate. It's been wonderful to talk with you. Great to hear that we're going to see you uh, riding a lot more across New South Wales if given the opportunity. Uh, you're on one today there at Newcastle. You've drawn a tricky gate. Worth following? Yeah, he's definitely value at that price, Dave. Um, obviously, the draw's a tricky one on the Beaumont, but his horse that should improve after his first up assignment, so we're hoping he improves and can be competitive in the first three. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on, Brandon. Look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you so much, Dave. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Cheers, mate. mate.